0: Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode.
1: Is there any way, in your opinion, for a 19-inch ballot image to be projected on a 20-inch ballot by accident? No, sir. Why not? Because
0: the settings and the configurations and the procedures that are used... Cannot
1: allow that. Did you personally do anything to any ballot on-demand printer to cause it to print too lightly to be read by a uh, precinct-based tabulator? No, I did not. Did you give an order to any of your personnel to do any such thing? I did not. We're not saying the machine cannot read blue ink.
2: We're saying it is is less uh, efficient, is less able to read blue ink, and in a race of of this small of a margin, I mean, that that could
1: make the difference. If that's the case, unless a person is completing every race with a different color of pen or writing implement, then the entire ballot is not going to be read. And that is a very small universe of ballots. None of the subpoenaed members complied. And we are now referring four members of Congress for appropriate sanction by the House Ethics Committee for failure to comply with lawful subpoenas.
0: And with me to talk about the court cases involving Kerry Lake and Abe Hamaday, Governor Ducey deciding to tear down that shipping container wall and more are Chip Scatari of SNC Communications. Good morning, Chip. Good morning. And attorney Tom Ryan. Tom, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. So, Tom, let's start with you as the one of us in the room who's actually a lawyer. Um, <laughs> We are in day two now of uh, Carrie Lake's lawsuit trying to uh, make herself the winner of of the governor's race. What were your uh, main takeaways from from yesterday?
1: Well, the main takeaways are this. Um, Carrie Lake has a very high burden of proof that she has to meet. Uh, Let me just take a moment and kind of lay out the scenario for you. When you do an election contest, they are completely statutory. That means you can't talk about equitable principles and things like that. There are five reasons that you can use to get a contest overturned. Uh, She filed a 10-count complaint. The court looked at the first eight and said they're out. The court said you get to go to trial on these two. But that's – I know Carrie Lake spun that as a win – It is not a win. It's one of the cases of be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. The burden of proof, the evidentiary burden of proof in an election contest is by clearing convincing evidence. That's the highest burden of proof in any civil case. And what do they have to show? They have to show that there was uh, a bad intent by a particular actor or identifiable actors that uh, affected the ballots and votes. Um, and in a number sufficient to change the election results—that's a very high standard. Throughout the day yesterday, none of Lake, neither of Kerry Lake's attorneys asked any of their witnesses, "Do you have a person that you can say they had bad intent and that this is what they did?" At no time have we identified a bad actor, and at no time have we uh, identified any ballots that have been affected, either illegal ballots that were cast and counted or legal ballots that were cast but not counted. So at this point, they're still at ground zero.
0: Yeah, Chip, it would seem as though the fact that, like, there's no name of somebody who allegedly did something illegal, that
2: seems like it might be a problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to thank Tom for that articulate, thoughtful, legal analysis. <laughs> is the audience, But I'll put it in simpler terms for, you know, Joe and Jane Sixpack out there who aren't attorneys. You know, the likelihood of Carrie Lake winning this gubernatorial election is the same as someone stopping me in the middle of the street saying, "Excuse me, are you Brad Pitt?" Both are not going to happen. There's a zero point zero percent chance, like Tarski's GPA in Animal House. I mean, just it's great we have the legal background. We have like what the reality is. It's just not going to happen. It's a waste of time. I know we have to go through the process. I know Tom, you have a great respect for, for the judge in the case. Yes. Um, so he's making, you know, he's following the rule of law, which is important. But it's just not going to. It's not going to happen. Well,
0: so is there another rationale here for Carrie Lake? I mean, the cynic would say this is a way for her to, ma- to fundraise and make more money. Like, is that is that what this is about?
1: That's what it is about, and, and it's it's a grift. And let me explain something. There are no top line Republican Party lawyers involved in this litigation. That's your first clue. Something's not uh, going well for you. Secondly, this is the attorney that had uh, failed to appear in the Cochise County Court after he'd been hired. By the Cochise County Board Mm -hmm. of Supervisors and instead filed a notice of removal to the, quote, Eastern District of Arizona federal court. There is no such court. So that's the attorney Kerry Lake has going into battle here. He's got the IQ of an empty beer can. The judge has been explaining to him basic legal terms. And it's been a clown car show. What? I'm not going to I'm not what to say after that. No.
2: <laughs> empty beer cans have feelings too, Tom. <laughs> so, like,
0: Tom, is there obviously whatever happens? I would imagine it's it's appealable, right? Like, is this is it possible that we're not going to have a resolution? The calendar being what it is, before January fifth.
1: Great question. No, these things are all uh, set up statutorily to be kind of bang bang, meaning it ha- this happens, then this happens, then this happens. This is a very abbreviated trial. Each side gets five and a half hours. The judge is going to make a ruling no later than Friday is my guess uh, because he's been paying attention. He's been reviewing all this. He's already got this. Any appeal is going to be very quick. They have to have this all done before January 2nd.
2: You know, Mark, if we could take a step back, you know, actions have consequences, and the Kerry Lake campaign made a concerted effort to criticize, sometimes viciously, John McCain and his legacy, which – pissed off a lot of his supporters, his fans, his family, friends. That's one thing. Um, A lot of these efforts, which critics would call voter suppression efforts, you know, blue, you know, questioning the color of pens you vote with. Um, Vote by mail is now all of a sudden evil. When I was covering politics not too long ago, the Arizona Republican Party was a well-oiled machine. Voting early Mm -hmm. was a big advantage because Democrats would have to say, oh God, can our voters get the day off? You know, what if they get sick? What if something happens to our kids? So that equation has totally been flipped on its head. And now, you know, it's come back to those actions have consequences. Her campaign and... Carrie Lake should have thought about that running her campaign, and now we've we're stuck with this. She lost by seventeen thousand votes. The election results are not going to change, but all of this was it, it's the it was a reaction from many months ago. Her decisions.
0: Well, so Chip, you brought up the the issue of, of ink colors, and I thought after <laughs> Sharpie Gate, maybe we were done talking about writing implements on, on the news camp, but we're not. Um, that was one of Abe Hamadeh's main arguments uh, in his lawsuit. That that. A hearing will be held tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The judge uh, granted some most, I think, of the of the uh, charges that Hamaday had brought. And one of the big ones was that the voters used blue ink, which is harder for ballot tabulators to read. And I forget which one of the lawyers it was who said, but it was your people who said to use those and not to use the pens that the elections officials gave to election day voters
2: yeah it's nonsense i mean why didn't this affect you know republican county attorney rachel mitchell republican tom horn Kimberly <laughs> right. Yee. i mean it's you know what hamada's his campaign or his lawyers continued push to get electing, electronic documents out of maricopa county um is you know outrageous and i worry that it could open up a pandora's box and set a pandora's box and set a really dangerous precedent that for every losing candidate um, we're going to go to court to try for a fishing expedition. And it could tie things up. It could set a really uh, negative precedent for the future. And that's what I worry about as a voter
1: and as a citizen of Arizona. And, and, and Chip, there you go, you godless liberal using those things like facts and logic. <laughs> and Yeah, no, it's just, this was crazy. Kelly Ward had uh, you know, said, let's you know use the wrong pen here. They can't complain about that. And, and I, uh, Chip raised a great point. They ignore the, 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 the incredible race, uh, the number of votes that Rachel Mitchell did, got in Maricopa County outdoing Carrie Lake because guess what? There are a lot of McCain Republicans who look at her and say, I'm not, I may not vote for uh, Katie Hobbs, but I sure as heck am not voting for Carrie Lake. And that is a legal voting decision that people make. And Carrie Lake is not willing to accept that. And that's I mean, why we're in yeah, this yeah,
2: Mar- Maricopa County attorney Rachel Mitchell, who, full disclosure, I am a friend and supporter of, but she embraced the McCain folks. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a part of the MAGA group. Um, she just talked about issues, what she's going to do while in office. Remember that when politicians <laughs> would talk about issues and prob- solving problems? so Ship going uh, in the way back yeah. machine there. <laughs> and, so, I mean, these things, it's just common sense. and. I hope we get through these election lawsuits as quickly as possible. You know, Katie Hobbs can, you know, uh, get ready for her inauguration. Chris Mays will, you know, be the next attorney general of Arizona. Um, You know, Mark Fincham's lawsuit has already been thrown out. And so hopefully we'll move on quickly before Santa comes down from the
1: North Pole. (laughs) Santa's going to be bringing a big bag of sanctions for a lot of these attorneys. (laughs) Because that's and that's what's already happening. We look, for example, uh, Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham filed a federal action uh, and it got tossed as being frivolous. And Judge Tucci said, and I'm ordering sanctions. Maricopa County Attorney's Office just submitted their uh, attorney's bill for one hundred and forty one thousand dollars against their attorneys, which would include, by the way, Rudy Giuliani. Um, judges are now beginning to I- invoke Rule Eleven and ARS Title Twelve Three Forty Nine. Those are the sanctions pr- rule and statute, and they're coming down. And not only that, but we're seeing these lawyers who've been doing all these election denial cases—they're all going to uh, their different bars for disciplinary investigation and disciplinary proceedings. So, your choice in court has has. Consequences. Yeah. No, I just
2: want to say one silver lining because I'm trying to be a glass
1: half full guy. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to prove that. It is my... the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. After all. I'm trying to prove to my wife I'm a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I have t- two of my older kids are in the early 20s. The one positive of all these election lawsuits and the big lie is. People of that generation, are the Gen Zs, are really paying attention to elections. They're not taking it for granted. They know how important their vote is. They know how important a safe, secure election voting system is. Uh, we just took that for granted growing up. And, it, you know, all, you know, it just was, yeah, we vote and uh, we get the elections two days later, whatever. I think younger, I hope my hope is that the younger generation sees how important democracy is and that we can't take it for granted. Tom, before we go to break, I want to ask you quickly,
0: because it's sort of been a topic of conversation that two years ago, when former President Trump filed all those lawsuits, I think most of us lost count. Most of them were 61. Thank you. (laughs) Most of them were just dismissed out of hand. Whereas in Arizona this year, both Abe Hamide and Carrie Lake were allowed to go to trial with at least some of what was in their original complaints. What's the difference there?
1: I think the difference here is, uh, first off, the, uh, when you file a motion to dismiss, the court has a duty to um, look at the well-plugged facts and, and assume that there's some evidence behind them. And so what the difference is this um, – they are, they have pled with they're learning that they have to plead within the rules to get somewhere. So they've got these two. this you have to be careful because w- w- when you're when you're doing this, because a judge still has the right. if you you say, "I'm going to prove this," and then you don't, a judge can sanction you. Mm. So um you know, and I'm watching judge Thompson. he's he's being very thoughtful. He's allowed a lot of evidence in that normally would not come in. What he's doing is making this case appeal proof. You know the the Kerry Lake's attorneys may be thinking, "Yeah, hey, I'm winning. I'm look at all this evidence I'm getting in." What they don't understand is Thompson is making this absolutely appeal-proof because what he can do is just because he admits it doesn't mean he has to say. And I find it the uh, you know persuasive and controlling. So. Um, Abe Hamaday and Carrie Lake are about to find out about Rule 11. And by the way, she's subject to Rule 11 in this case because she actually had to verify the complaint. So she's uh-huh. saying, I investigated this and I have these facts. The, the, the expert witnesses that they put on the stand yesterday that did not verify anything that would be useful to the plaintiffs. Keep in mind, those lawyers had a duty to talk to them before they ever filed the complaint and before they ever put them on the stand. You don't get to put them on the stand and say, now let me ask questions. That's not the time to do it. I'm telling you, Santa's coming with the sanctions.
0: All right, NORAD will be tracking that. My guests, attorney Tom Ryan and Chips Qatari of SNC Communications. Tom, let's talk about uh, Governor Ducey. Uh, he had been putting up shipping containers as a border barrier in southern Arizona. The federal government sued him, saying he did not have the right to do that because the land was not his on which to put those shipping containers. And yesterday, the governor said he would take them all down uh, with the uh, agreement that the federal government would. Uh, plug some of the at least some of the gaps in the existing barrier there. What do you make of, of this sort of back and forth here?
1: <laughs> well, look, the the border has been a, a, a ball that's been batted back and forth for decades, and there's been unfortunately no real effort to resolve it on either side. Um, you know, this was a this was really a, not a well thought out move by Governor Ducey to put these uh, down there. Uh, these big containers—they're uh, like shipping containers yeah, that you see. They are shipping containers. Yes, yeah. and uh, you know, number one, they're environmentally unsafe. They—they they're, put them on federal land. Uh, and he really never had a leg to stand on. So for him to say, well, you know, I've got this assurance now, uh, you didn't need to put all those containers down there to get that assurance. Wouldn't it have been better to sit down in the first instance and say, can we discuss the border issue and what we can do down there? Uh, now we have to go through the expense of getting these all removed.
2: Yeah, I know it's a, it was a symbolic gesture on the governor's part. Um, but, in his defense, you know, if the federal government will plug these gaps, um, was it, you know, some will criticize, you know, was it worth the money? Was it silly? But I think his bigger, i, you know, focus was bringing attention to the border security and immigration issue because, That is, it's a huge issue for both parties for America, but certainly for Republicans. So I see if he can get the federal government to plug those gaps. Um, I don't think this issue is not, obviously, as we all know, it's not going away. And I hope uh, Governor-elect Katie Hobbs' team, which I know there's a lot of smart, pragmatic people who will be uh, in her um, kitchen cabinet – they will focus on this issue and come up with some common sense solutions, so that it's not just a Republican issue. So I think the governor was um, trying to do something, you know, not only to placate his, you know, base or r- Republican voters, but also to focus his attention that this is an issue that go- uh, President Biden should be rightfully criticized on.
0: Chip, is it? Do you think that that the visuals? I mean, these were this was something that happened very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. The governor said, we're going to do it. And within a couple of days, it, w- it was there, yeah. which is like lightning speed yeah. for any level of government. Does the fact that he did it at all, do you think that sort of
2: spurred the federal government to action here? I mean, I think that's what his people would say. I don't think they'd be doing anything if he hadn't done the shipping container uh, effort. Um, and they did get it up pretty fast. So it shows that, you know, the federal government or federal administration, Biden administration doesn't want a lot of attention on this right now. So I think... Think you know for for Governor Ducey, uh, you know a lot of people will criticize him, but he could chalk it up as a win, and because we're getting attention on this issue.
1: Yeah, I, I just want to point out the history of walls in, throughout the world have been very ineffective. You go first to Hadrian's Wall, uh, did not keep out the you know the crazy Irish. Uh, you go to the Great Wall of China, did not keep out the Huns. Uh, the Maginot Line, uh, you know, we, we we have this this desire to put up walls as if they're going to be effective. That area down there is mountainous region. Walls, will, uh, you know, walls and barriers will not be effective. We've already seen the walls coming down along the border. What we really need is to have a, a, uh, a, an important discussion about immigration and really redesigning the immigration system because the wall is not it. We have a good business partner down there in Sonora, Mexico. We need to be working with them to be building our commerce, our economy, and not be talking about invasions and things like that. We need to bring the heat down and we need to talk about how can we make it better for everybody. And that means going down and talking, you know, what's happening in El Salvador, Nicaragua, Panama, all those other countries where these people are coming, Venezuela. What can we do to help them stay there rather than have them come up here and then complain about it?
0: Well, Tom, it's interesting you say that because when Governor Ducey came into office, one of the things that he really talked about was trying to rebuild the relationship between Arizona and Sonora. You know, Mexico is our biggest trading partner. And it seems as though, at least to some extent, Chip, he, he did a pretty good job of that, right? Like I he, agree. He definitely, I mean, trade is, is really is strong
2: between yeah. the two and the relationship seems pretty strong between yeah. the two states. He did an excellent job. And I think it was um, a republic story, uh, kind of a, a wrap up of his eight years in office and I think the lead of the story is about him flying coach to to Mexico, on one of his first mm. trips to really reestablish, you know, revive that relationship after SB 1070. Um, you know, our trade is off the charts with Mexico. Um, we've partnered with Sonora. Um, They have, in Monterey, they have a a burgeoning uh, tech and and innovation sector. So I think the governor deserves a lot of credit for um, rebuilding that friendship and that partnership. And uh, as Tom mentioned, the commerce is so important. Um, And I hope the next governor can build on what he's done. And he, he, uh, like I said, done a good job really reviving that relationship. I want
1: every Republican consultant... In the next two years, if they see one of their candidates walking down by the border with a gun, I want you to slap them and say, stop that. (laughs) Let's talk about building commerce. Let's talk about our relationship and friendship with Mexico. Let's talk about really meaningful immigration reform. Let's go back to the gang of eight and see what they had proposed. And can we make that work today? That would make me happy.
2: I think realistically they're going to have to because comprehensive solution has been tried and failed. I think, unfortunately, it's not the best, but I think we're going to have to piecemeal this. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean maybe a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers. You know, we, prop, prop, we passed Proposition 308 here in Arizona, which is great for DREAMers to get in-state tuition. I think they're going to have to do it little by little, especially with the Republicans regaining the House, Democrats in charge of the Senate. It's just going to have to be one bite of the apple at the time, unfortunately. All right. So, guys, just a couple
0: minutes left. I want to ask you about one of the other big stories of the week. We heard from the January 6th Commission. Um, Toward, you know, the, their last kind of acts here. And they referred uh, President Trump to the DOJ for for prosecution. They also referred four members of Congress to the House Ethics Committee, including Andy Biggs. Uh, they defied and basically ignored congressional subpoenas. Chip, you used the phrase uh, symbolic gesture a little earlier. Is this a symbolic
2: gesture, especially considering the Republicans are taking control of the House in a couple of weeks? Probably, but I think um – uh, Americans, uh, they should uh, really thank the January 6th committee for what they did. Um, I think a lot of people poo pooed it at first, saying, oh, this is not going to matter. I think it had a big impact on the elections. I think people were talking about it, they were worried about our democracy. Um, you know, whether uh, Congressman Biggs responds to a subpoena or not, is really small potatoes. But I think the overall message of the January 6th committee, look at the people they got to testify. And it's all people close to Tr- President, former President Trump's orbit. Um, so I think they deserve huge kudos um, for what they did and, and taking a lot of. Uh, criticism throughout the process.
0: Tom, briefly, what do you think about the, the referral for Congressman Biggs? Oh,
1: I don't think it's uh, – I do not think it's symbolic. And I, and here's why. When, when Congress or a court issues a subpoena, that's an order to appear and to testify. Either the rule of law matters or it doesn't. Mm. Andy Biggs was trained as a lawyer. Um, he gave it up after he, you know, fortunately won $10 million through the sweepstakes. But, you know, he, he has the training and understand that the rule of law is what's important. This is not the rule of man. This is the rule of law. And for him to ignore that, especially as a, as, as a sitting member of Congress, is, is just quite shameful. So we'll see, you know, the, the, the House Ethics uh, Committee works very independently of all the politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you're going to see some consequences coming out of this. Whether he'll survive the next election like uh, Schweikert just did or somebody comes along and knocks him off because of his, uh, you know, his lack of ethics here remains to be seen.
0: All right. That is attorney Tom Ryan, Chips Scatari of SNC Communications also here. Guys, thanks for coming in. Uh, Happy holidays. Thank Thank you. you. Enjoy the eggnog. (laughs) You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.